I was really struggling with practicing gratitude in the in the midst of all this badness around me. But then I remembered that gratitude is not a feeling. Okay, gratitude is a choice. It's a way of looking at life. That's it's not circumstantial. It's not conditional on what's happening to us. So we could say, you know, I'm going to choose to have a grateful attitude despite the badness. Hello, and thank you for joining me here on Hope to Recharge podcast, the podcast that's designed to break the stigma around mental health and to create some hope and inspiration and give some practical tips to those that are struggling with mental health, whether it's from personal stories to break the stigma or some advice from professionals in the mental health community. Whether you are struggling with mental health on your own or you know a loved one that is struggling, we are here to support you and to create a community so you you know you are not alone. The road to recovery can be difficult and challenging. At Hope to Recharge, we believe that in mental health, together is always better. I'm your host, Matana. Thank you for joining me here today. Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp.com. Are you looking for online therapy? Are you stuck at home like everyone else? High stress, high anxiety, worried about the future, trying to navigate everything, have a lot of worries, had a lot of emotional roller coaster rides up and down, just like me. BetterHelp.com is one phone call away, one Zoom call away, one text away. It's an online platform for therapy. It's so perfect for now, for coronavirus, for what people people are going through now. We can reach out and get the perfect therapist that meets our needs. Don't wait. Check them out. See if you can find somebody. Don't struggle. They're so affordable. They are so affordable. You're sitting at home. Every therapist is working online now. Reach out and get help you need. If you are struggling, don't struggle in silence. I am so grateful that they are giving us 10% off the first month so you can get affordable access to therapy. Go to betterhelp.com forward slash hope to recharge. Betterhelp.com forward slash hope to recharge, start your wellness, get help, get support you need. As we're going into episode 101, I want to make an announcement. This will be the last Attitude of Gratitude Thursday episode. We are switching things around for the next season. We finished season one from episode 00 to 100, and we're so grateful. So this episode with Dr. Bob Emmons will be the last Attitude of Gratitude episode. Next season, which is from next week on, we're going to be releasing one episode a week of mental health awareness, breaking the stigma, personal stories, tips from professionals from the mental health world. We are not going to do Thursdays anymore. Be expecting only one episode, one episode a week on Tuesday on mental health awareness and support what we're here to do. I just wanted to give you a heads up that we're changing things around a little bit. And once a month, in the beginning of the month, I'm going to give my thought of the month and the reason behind the theme of the month. Every month, we're going to have a theme of guests and I'm going to be releasing a short episode in the beginning of every month just speaking about the theme and why we decided to deep dive into that theme and what we're hoping for. So I just wanted to give a little bit of a heads up that this will be the last attitude of gratitude from Hope to Recharge, but I will continue sharing my journey with gratitude throughout all the other episodes on Tuesdays. And you'll still have all the old episodes in my playlist, wherever you listen to podcasts from. So you have over 50 episodes of Attitude of Gratitude that you can go back and listen, share with others and uh, do your personal exercise with gratitude. So let the journey begin. And thank you for joining me 
for all the past Attitude of Gratitude Thursdays and helping me improve on my gratitude journey and deep diving into those 50 episodes of Attitude of Gratitude. On this episode of Hope to Recharge, we welcome Robert Emmons, PhD. Dr. Emmons is a professor of psychology at the University of California, Davis, where he's taught since 1988. He received his PhD from the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign and is the author of over 200 original publications in peer-reviewed journals, chapters, and has written, edited eight books, including The Psychology of Ultimate Concerns, The Psychology of Gratitude, Thanks, How Practicing Gratitude Can Make You Happier, Gratitude Works, a 21-day program for creating emotional prosperity, and The Little Book of Gratitude. A leader in the positive psychology movement, Dr. Emmons is founding editor and editor-in-chief of the journal Positive Psychology. His research focuses on the psychology of gratitude and joy as they relate to human flourishing and well-being. A frequent speaker at professional conferences and public events, Dr. Emmons has guest lectured at Yale, Oxford, Stanford, and the University of Michigan. He has received research funding by the National Institute of Mental Health, the John M. Templeton Foundation, and the National Institute for Disability Research and Rehabilitation. His groundbreaking work on gratitude has been featured in dozens of popular media outlets, including the New York Times, USA Today, U.S. News and World Report, Newsweek, Time, NPR, PBS, Consumer Reports, Wall Street Journal, Forbes, and The Today Show. He lives with his wife of 24 years, Yvonne, and their two sons and two dogs in Davis, California. And now, our host, Matana. Hello, and thank you for joining me here on Hope to Recharge podcast, Attitude of Gratitude Thursday. Today, I have somebody that is so near and dear to me, even though he doesn't know it so much, but his teachings helped me so much in my dark, dark days of depression. I came across his work nine and a half years ago. Professor Bob Emmons, this is such an honor and privilege to meet you face to face on Zoom and to speak to you and deep dive into gratitude so much of what I practice on a different level nowadays, just because I read all your books. I've done so many of your YouTubes, literally one-on-one. I used to write down little words and say, okay, this is what he said. And I used to highlight it and I practice it and I, I bring it over to my audience all the time. This is 101 episode. And I thought it was so designed by God that after a year trying to get you on the show and you were very busy and things didn't work out in the beginning and then coronavirus came and then we had to reschedule. God is the best planner. He planned that my master of gratitude should be here with me the first week of May, which is Mental Health Awareness Month and celebrating 101 episode. And I have the one and only Dr. Professor, he doesn't like when we call him doctor, but Professor (laughs) Bob Emmons, that I think is the iconic leading researcher in gratitude. So thank you for being here with me. Thank you for having me on. You know, it's wonderful to hear. I'm very humbled by that introduction and and your story. And you know, you are the example of why I do what I do, uh, why I write for the public, why I write for real people. You know, in academia, it's it's a little unusual, not quite as strange as it used to be, but, you know, we spend a lot of time writing for other professionals. We do research, we publish in largely obscure scientific journals that a handful of people read. I think one time I, I read that uh, an average article is read by like seven people, you know, in a scientific journal. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's not going to have much impact there. So, uh, you know, I try to get the message out to, to a broader audience. And so, so thank you for contributing to that. 
Yeah. And you know what? Mr. Google is always the proof of how good you are. And I, I must say for the last few years, as soon as you type gratitude, you come up. So it has to be something behind your research and your work that really justifies the the top. No, that means my, my money my money is well spent. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, just kidding. No, 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 no. But um, Professor, I want to, and I'm going to call you Professor because I, I just feel so humbled um, in front of you. I want to take... Uh, my audience a little bit into a background on how you got to passion about researching gratitude and teaching gratitude and reading and writing so many books mm. on gratitude and um, basically devoting your life to improving other people's life through gratitude. It wasn't through making how to make more money, how to be more happy, how to be more calm, how to make more friends. It was on gratitude. And I think there's a reason behind it. And I would love to hear why out of a million different topics, you chose <laughs> gratitude. Well, and of course, it can do all those things. You know, they, they come as a byproduct, right? Kind of a downstream effect, but certainly that's not the, that's not the focus in and of itself. It's just, uh, you know, when we look at what are some basic attitudes toward life, there are only a handful, really, when you think about that. My training was in personality psychology, so basic traits, temperaments, dispositions, how people differ from one another. And there's really only a handful of, of, of basic traits, like extroversion, introversion, for example, a very basic one. Uh, optimism, pessimism, that's a very basic one. Just fundamental ways of looking at the world, thinking about ourselves, thinking about our own identity, what makes up who we are, how do we respond in the world and things happening around us and how do we think about ourselves and think about other people. And, and uh, one of the things that I was taught early on in my training was that, you know, people don't change very much. If you are an introvert at age 10, you're going to be introverted at age, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50, and so on. There, there's a stability uh, in personality. It's kind of, it's set in plaster from the start, right? And so what intrigued me about gratitude was that gratitude is something that potentially can change. And in fact, it does change uh, mm -hmm. over time. So it, it allows people to get, have those benefits that you suggested, that people can become happier, more contented, more successful in life. Uh, in fact, gratitude seems to bring advantages in almost every arena that it touches, you know, I like to say that the grateful mind reaps massive advantages across different spheres of functioning. So whether we're talking about, you know, things like reduction in depression or an increase in hope and optimism or physical health and healing, uh, relational wellness, it just, the list goes on and on. It's just, you know, if, if the, the mountain of gratitude science now is so tall that like one person cannot scale it anymore. So I, I've long given up trying to, you know, keep track of all the new findings in the science, but that's been really gratifying to see so many other people following some of the original research that we did in our laboratory. How many years are you um, researching gratitude? So uh, it's been over 20 years now, over 22 years, which I know on the one hand sounds kind of impressive, that, you know, wow, 20 years spent on one topic because, you know, in, in sciences, especially in psychology, we kind of jump around from topic to topic. We get interested in something, we pursue it for a while, and then um, something else grabs our attention and we decide to pursue that. Uh, but I've stuck with it now for a couple of decades. Uh, the flip side of doing something for so long is that uh, by now people sometimes get tired of hearing the same old message. You know, it's like, all right, we get that. We, we get that gratitude works, you know, mm -hmm. it, it benefits us. Can we move on to something else now? But we can't because we still, there's still a lot of things we need to know. I think we're still really at the, the tip of the proverbial iceberg when it comes to understanding, you know, what gratitude is, 
why it matters and how we can get more of it. So before you started research on gratitude, where were you holding in life with gratitude? Was it something very intuitive by you and you were frustrated mm. that other people were not showing up with gratitude? Or was it something that you really mm. were curious about and you said, I need to understand more about gratitude and I'm going to devote my life to this? Well, I, I got I got into it kind of indirect, kind of like backdoor, I guess you might uh, say. I, I was doing research way back when I was in graduate school on the topic of happiness. So my research advisor and mentor in graduate school, uh, he was really developing the science of happiness. Or we, we actually didn't we didn't call it happiness back then because uh, there, there was not an industry of science of happiness like there is today. It's quite a respectable term to use today. But back then, this was in the mid-1980s, you really couldn't use the H word, uh, you know, in, uh, in scientific fields. So, so we called it something much more uh, credible sounding. Uh, we called it subjective well-being. Doesn't mm. that sound more impressive than but happiness? But why? You know? why? Why? It just was, you know, happiness was associated kind of as a, or, or they had, had connotations as like a, uh, a very lightweight topic, kind of maybe even a flaky topic, you know, mm. that, that happiness is not really a serious approach to life. Mm. You know, you think of smiley faces, right? You think of positive thinking, you know, mm. you, you don't think of it as a really serious or deep scientific topic that is mm. wor worthy of considerable scientific attention. So subjective well-being was just another term for, but of course, we really meant just happiness by that. Now it's quite acceptable some decades later to use that word. And there's a whole industry out there, scientific industry, hundreds and hundreds of research articles on happiness. Hundreds of people have, you know, and thousands actually have written about how to get more happiness, right? What are the characteristics of happy people? And it just hurt, occurred to me at some point along the line that I thought gratitude, uh, thinking gratefully, or appreciatively, it's got something to do with, with happiness. And I'm not sure where I originally got that idea. I just think that, you know, counting blessings just seemed like kind of like this innate wisdom that people had and people had talked about that throughout the centuries. And maybe it's got something to do with happiness and turned out it's got a lot to do with happiness. And you just said, I'm going to go research this. Well, actually, I got invited to. So that was kind of interesting. I, I was actually assigned the task of becoming a gratitude researcher which mm -hmm. is interesting. You know, usually we pick the topics we want to study. People don't tell us what to do. That's mm -hmm. why we go into academia because we can choose what's you know, interesting to us. So actually, you know, I was invited to the small conference on a bunch of qualities that are in the same um, atmosphere of gratitude, things like forgiveness and hope and optimism and love, which you might call spiritual strengths or virtues that you know, virtually any tradition, religious or philosophical throughout the ages, has considered these to be important qualities of the human psyche, mm -hmm. important human virtues that make life better for ourselves as well as for other people. Mm -hmm. And so each, uh, each of us at this conference were assigned one of these topics. So somebody was given forgiveness and said, okay, go out there and tell us what do we know about the science of forgiveness? Right? Mm -hmm. What do we know about hope, optimism, love, humility? And so on. So a whole bunch of these really nice, important topics. Uh, it turns out that gratitude was the one that was left over in the pile after they assigned all the other ones. So actually, people were choosing, but I didn't get aboard on quick enough. I was kind of late. You know, it's kind of like if you fly uh, Southwest Airlines and you don't, you know, you don't get online 24 hours in advance. You get in that dreaded C group. So yeah. like I was in the dreaded C group for this conference. And so I got the leftover seat or leftover topic, which was gratitude. It turned out to be the best assignment I'd ever been given. And who did you, what did literature did you have to start your research with? If you're I mean, the literally, leading there was researcher. Nothing. 
There was nothing, I mean, right? There was nothing. You, you're right. the leading researcher in uh, on gratitude. So where did you go? I mean, the Bible is full of it, and I think you're a man of faith, right? Because well, you I talk did a lot about, of reading. I did a lot yeah. of reading in scriptures and different traditions and in Judaism, Christianity, Islam. Mm -hmm. They all say something about it. I mean, that's one of the wonderful things. I think it's very uh, foundational to spiritual traditions and to spiritual practices. And st stated differently, and uh, there's no tradition which says it's good to be ungrateful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. That's right. Right. That's certainly clear. Uh, but yeah, there was like two studies. One was from 1928 and one was from 1968. And like, that was it. So I wow. said, okay, well, I can't go to this conference with some, you know, likely to be important people there, perhaps people who are interested in, you know, funding research on some of these good topics and say, like, we don't know any, right? So uh, I said, I got to do a research study right away. So at least, you know, bring some data because that's mm -hmm. what we do as scientists. You know, we don't take the, the wisdom tradition on face value. I mean, there's, mm -hmm. it's very inspiring. It's great. And I did all that research. Mm -hmm. uh, and that, you know, inspired me and motivated me. But I also wanted to put those ideas to the test. You know, when I read that gratitude is the greatest of the virtues mm -hmm. or gratitude is the secret to life. Right? I mean, very powerful, you know, expressions and proverbs and, and maxims and, and sayings and so forth. But I wanted to see if gratitude actually delivered on its promise and on its potential. So I, you know, I just threw together the very first gratitude journaling study. And this was now 22 years ago. And you practice it on your own in order to prove, or did you give it to others? Did you do, did no, you I say, did, okay, I, give assignments to people and collect, collect the data? Oh, I, I did the real thing. I mean, I did the, the gold standard of scientific research. So I did randomized controlled trials is what I did. I randomly assigned participants who it turned out were students in my classes because, you know, as most professors do, we uh, use our research, uh, our participants are our students because they're the most available, eager and willing to uh, help us out. So I just randomly assigned some of them to keep a gratitude journal, some of them to have a very different focus. They wrote about what was stressing them out. We called these hassles or complaints. And then we had some other comparison conditions. And while they were doing this, over time, we just tracked their, their moods, their uh, feelings of physical health, their feelings of their relationships, if they were getting along with other people or, or feeling lonely or isolated. So we had a nice cross-section of their experience, psychologically, emotionally, relationally, over this period of time while they were keeping a gratitude journal or doing some other very different exercise. And where were you emotionally that, like 25 years ago, when before you started researching gratitude? Do you feel like you were in a very happy state, like we talk now, joyful state, yeah. relaxed state, and it just improved on it? Or were, mm -hmm. did you feel a shift after you started and you're like, wow, I am so much more calm, happy, joyful <laughs> in the moment? Well, that, that's a great question. And I, I think, you know, um, for me, happiness had always been something that was going to happen in the future. I, I'd always banked it on something, some contingent outcome. But it, I think, you know, just being in academia probably contributed to that. You know, so when I was an undergraduate, I was always thinking about, okay, what did I need to do to get into graduate school? And so I'd spend, you know, a lot of time studying and reading and to be the weekends and people would be out, you know, partying and things like that. And, you know, and I was studying for next week's test, right, or getting ahead in the readings. Mm -hmm. I was always thinking about the very next thing, the very next goal, right? And then when I was in graduate school, I was busy researching, trying to get publications, right, uh, trying to be a successful, uh, attractive job applicant. And so, and I worked really hard and I had a really 
a good lot of interviews and some good job offers. And okay, well, then I got a nice job, my first academic job. And I thought, well, now I need to get tenure, mm-hmm. right? And so it was always, always one thing after another. And it doesn't mean I wasn't, you know, happy. I certainly had happy moments, but it wasn't really the focus of my life. I was, I was living for something in the future, some future target, some future goal. And that seemed to me to be really a, a very different stance than one takes with gratitude, which is, you know, an enjoyment or celebration of the present. It's it's funny because I'm I'm literally re, um, re um, living. I interviewed Dr. Tal Ben Shahar and uh, on happiness, and and he was saying exactly the same thing that you're saying now. But exactly, there was always like he was always looking for the next thing to make him happy. It wasn't like yes. he was depressed or anything. Just right. like okay, when I achieve this goal, I'll be happy, and then when I achieve that goal, I'll be happy. But there was no present in the now and the joy in the now, and that's when he started the research on happiness. And you happen to have studied the research on gratitude, and it shifted probably things in you, right? Did it shift? I- I think it's uh, occupational hazard, you know, for us in the in the uh, profession. But uh, and I, of course, it can be you know useful, and that keeps us motivated and striving to continue to you know explore more and discover more things uh, and so on. It doesn't always make the people around us that happy, right? Because we always have this kind of sense of drivenness, you right. know. And it's, it's hard just to to sit. Uh, in, in the in the present and just you know accept that experience is is a good thing happening right now. But yeah, I guess it it, uh, it shifted me right from the beginning. I was so mm-hmm. excited about it. I don't know if it gave me that peace or contentment. I was just excited to have this new area of research that no one had really discovered before. I mean, that doesn't happen every day. It's certainly in psychology, that's been, you know, psychology has been a science for, what, 130 years now. So there's not too much that's still around that hasn't been explored yet. So when you find something new, it was really exciting because like virtually anything we did research-wise was going to be a contribution, right? And so I remember finding, one of my first findings was that was that when people were keeping a gratitude journal, they they were actually sleeping better. They fell asleep quicker. They uh, felt more refreshed the next day when they woke up. So also all the good sleep quality indicators was going along with gratitude. And it was so weird because just the opposite was happening. I was so excited. I was having trouble falling asleep. I was like, I was excited about this new research. I would wake up in the middle of the night think, okay, I've got to do this next study. Or here's what I want to tell people about gratitude now. So ironically, it was having the opposite effect, but but it was a good thing. I actually enjoyed that. And right. So that's how it was for the first several years and still to this day you know thinking about why gratitude is so attractive and people resonate with that topic and that's really what what keeps me going so um that harkens back to your comments at the beginning about how gratitude has impacted you and that keeps me coming back to it when i see that you know that it it matters for people and that it makes a difference in their lives whether life is going well or going poorly you know people want need gratitude absolutely and and i i discovered over the the last year of research and gratitude and for my podcast that there's so many different levels of gratitude. There's gratitude to yourself, gratitude for somebody that did something kind for you, gratitude to God, gratitude to your to your society, gratitude for negative things that happened that you you in the future yes. you saw how it was for the positive. There's so many levels of gratitude. For me, I think the deepest level of gratitude is, um, I call it the long distance gratitude, that mm. it's somebody that affected, let's say, my parents nicely and I'm, 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 paying it forward in my generation, even though I wasn't affected, like I'm remembering what they, the emotion that they, the positive emotion that they caused for my parents. But for me, with my mental illness, where it helped me was to be in such a dark place Mm -hmm. that you don't want to live anymore. The darkness is Mm -hmm. so dark and you force yourself to find the things that are are working. And more than ever, I think now uh, during coronavirus, people really, really realize that gratitude 
gratitude really works, like mm. your book, gratitude mm-hmm. really works. It's incredible how someone can feel depleted, people dying mm. in their family, losing loved ones without saying goodbye, so much, so much pain, but you could still, even in grief, um, you could see yes. gratitude. And, and when you exercise it before, and one of the things that I want you to talk about here is mm. the importance of not waiting till you're were depleted like I was to exercise mm. it and build that muscle. Mm-hmm. How important is it to exercise it through life when life is great and it's easy to be grateful, mm. but it's mm. not easy to remember to practice mm. gratitude. So I think I want to go down with you on like what, what, when you say practice gratitude, mm. mm-hmm. what do you tell your students? I know mm. it's an all of your books, but like if you say to somebody, an average person, a child, practice this gratitude before horrible things happen, just because it's like an exercise, you're building that muscle. What would that be? Wow. There's so much there to respond to. (laughs) I mean, uh, basically, you know, I, I think of gratitude as just a way of thinking a way of looking at the world, a way of looking at oneself that recognizes that, uh, first of all, two things. So I think about it in terms of affirming the good. So when I say I'm grateful, I affirm that there are good things, that I've received good things, there's benefits, there's gifts that I've received directly or that I see every day and in each way around the world and in my life and in other people, I see good things. So that's the affirmation. Of course, that doesn't deny that there's, you know, uh, not bad things, obviously, that we can hold these two ideas simultaneously at the same time. One does not rule out the other one. Uh, and the other is a, is a recognition about, well, about where these good things came from. So I recognize that I didn't bring these about on my own or do my, due to my own efforts or abilities. Uh, a lot of times they just they were given to me by other people, as you mentioned. Other people are doing things for me that I couldn't do for myself or securing things for me that I couldn't secure for myself. And I think that's just so important. I think that's where really where gratitude begins is this acknowledgement, this recognition about where these good things come from. So it's really it's really a focus on the other. And mm-hmm. I think that's what, what makes gratitude so powerful. Well, lots of reasons, but one is especially because it's it's other directed and other focused. So, you know, I can't worry about my own unhappiness or my own anxiety or my own uh, internal concerns if I'm focused on all, all the good that's being done for me, right? And so I become absorbed by the good that I see around me and that's happening to me. I can't be self-absorbed, you know what I mean? And so I think it's a good antidote to like a kind of self-preoccupation, which sometimes, you know, is one of those powerful factors that can really derail us as we try to develop a life of joy and contentment and happiness and peacefulness. Do you feel that gratitude has to be set aside time like prayer, like meditation, like yoga? You have to set aside mm-hmm. time to practice gratitude every day or three times a week mm-hmm. or whatever it is? Yeah. So I've changed my views on that over the years. I used to think, yes, it has to be a, you know, an established practice. It has to be something that you do. You need to set aside a certain time, have a certain practice as like a right way to do it, whether you keep a journal or, you know, have, you know, prayers or meditations for gratitude or just, you know, um, express gratitude to someone, you know, verbally, let's say, or broadcast, distribute that gratitude through social media outlets, whatever it is. Uh, but then I started to really realize that this so a lot of times is very ineffective because then it tends to put the focus more on how we're doing in our gratitude practice, right? Mm. And I tried this myself oh, many years ago. Uh, I got one of those apps on my, uh, on my phone to do like a gratitude journal. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, I should try this, right? Because I'm advising people to do this sort of thing. I'm supposed to be, you know, the expert. So I, I got to try this out. And so what I found was that I, I was really bad at it. <laughs> First mm. of all, I would forget to do it, you know, instead of doing it every day. 
So it was one of these gratitude trees where, you know, you start with this like bare tree with bare leaves, like no leaves, right? The sparse and Spartan tree. And then every time you're grateful for something, like a leaf pops up on mm -hmm. this tree and it's like 30 day gratitude tree. So by the end of the month, if you've done this faithfully every day, you have this beautiful tree filled with all these leaves, right? It looks really good. Well, you know, I got to about the middle of the month and I had like maybe four leaves, right? And <laughs> it just was so, you know, sad looking, right? right. So pathetic and pitiful. And but I found like when I remember to do it and my leaf popped up, I felt like really good about myself. You know, I felt mm -hmm. like really, you know, wow, you know, what, what a great, you know, how great am I remember to do this? You know, I felt pride, you know, mm -hmm. and, and like, or maybe relief that I didn't forget. And then when I did forget to do it, you know, I, I felt bad. I felt guilty about it. Like here I am, people are looking to me for gratitude advice and I'm forgetting to do my very own exercise, right? Mm -hmm. So really I didn't feel gratitude either way. I felt, you know, either pride or guilt. So mm -hmm. I thought, hmm, maybe this is not the right approach, right? Maybe, uh, this shouldn't be something that we put on our already busy to-do list, right? kind of mm. like a checklist. Right? I'm going to do my gratitude right now, write my five things down, and then I'm free to go about my business as usual. Mm. And I, I think it has to be more incorporated into everyday life uh, and something that we can do anytime, anywhere, any place. It doesn't have to be set aside for a certain time. You don't need to write in a certain type of journal or, or, or write for a certain length of time. I think that the way in which can be seamlessly integrated into everyday life eventually that's going to, that's what's going to stick, right? I think. And so we could look at any, anything we're doing any day, any time during the day can be an opportunity for gratitude, can be a moment for gratefulness, right? If we, if we start to look at life through a grateful lens, which just mm -hmm. means looking at life in terms of gifts, givers, receivers, benefits, blessings, you know, we start to use the language of giving and receiving and gratitude. And that we can do quite independent of our circumstances. But could it be that for people that didn't do the research, I'm going to, I'm going to argue this on you, with you on this because I know that for me, even though I grew up with a father that, and mother that lived gratitude and it was really in our DNA. But when it came to things that I'm struggling with life, it could take me to my bitter spot. I, it's not that I wasn't yeah. grateful to people that helped me or stuff like that. I wasn't grateful for the gift that I had from God. I wasn't living with, I wasn't living with gratitude in my heart, an abundance. And I found that whenever, <coughs> when I did my gratitude journaling and I do it until mm. today, I do it my morning, I do my evening, it centers me. It really, mm. it makes me stop. It makes me think. It makes me focus and it brings me into the things that I would never think because we're, we're living such a busy life. We're running nonstop. We don't have time to think unless somebody like we're at the checkout counter, we're like, okay, thank you. Have a nice day. So we said, thank you. We're grateful. We're grateful if somebody helped us with our packages, yes. but are we counting right. our true inner mm -hmm. second blessings that we can mm. walk, we can see, we can sing, we can, we, we have children, all these incredible gifts and the list goes on and on and on and on and on. The fact that we see colors and they cheer us up, the fact that there's rain, that there's sun. If we don't stop, for me, if I don't stop, I don't notice it. So what do you say to that? No, I think you're right. I think, you know, I think we're, we're all at a different stage in our gratitude journey. Mm -hmm. And some of us are, you know, are, are, are beginners. And for, you know, beginners, they need to start at the beginning, right? With maybe, and then, and I've heard from lots and lots of people over the years and, you know, and they have testimonies 
that they share with me about how, you know, I've been, I started keeping a gratitude journal mm-hmm. because my mind would, would default to the negative. Mm-hmm. It would go, it would go toward complaint. It would focus on what's going wrong mm-hmm. instead of what's going right. It would focus right. on pain instead of pleasure, right? right? Complaints instead of good things and so on. It was just, and they didn't have to practice that, you know, they just naturally drifted that way. Mm-hmm. I think we all have that tendency. And uh, there's what's known as the negativity bias. That is just the tendency of the mind to focus on the bad, what's going wrong. And, you know, everybody talks about that in, in happiness and positive psychology. And gratitude is one technique which can counteract that tendency to focus on the bad. And sometimes it has to be more, much more of an inten- intentional practice mm-hmm. and an attentional practice. You know, I think I have an advantage because I've been swimming in these waters for, you know, a couple of decades now. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's like people say, do you have a gratitude practice? Uh, and that question for me uh, is, is like saying, do you have like a breathing practice? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, no, I just do it. Uh, you know, it doesn't mean I do it all the time or it necessarily, you know, the default, uh, but I can, I can stop. I can see when my mind is going the wrong way or the, or the dark way, you know, right. and try to short circuit that. Right. But I, I certainly, you know, uh, I've written a lot about practices for gratitude. So, so I believe in them, but I, you know, believe that for different people at different times, yes. you know, not uh, one size does not fit all. Basically. Yes. And also knowing where it fits you in life. I did, um, I, about four months ago, I started um, the practice. Uh, I think it was called Making Miracles, Creating Miracles in 40 Days. Mm-hmm. Did you read that one? And it's about counting your non-blessings and writing what oh. you're grateful about that's not working, like your angers, mm-hmm. your frustration, and you're mm-hmm. literally for 40 days or longer, you're writing all the negative things. And my mind was so wired to count counting mm-hmm. my blessings that it created an anger inside me and it wasn't working mm-hmm. for me. It really mm-hmm. was not working for me. After a few, a few, I think after like 20 days, I said, I have to stop. I'm, I'm <laughs> shifting my, yes. and, and it was not working, but I know that it works for a lot of people. And one of my episodes, I said, we have to adjust everything to what works for our lifestyle, for our personality. It's not one size fits all. And we're all different. I I was brought up with a lot of gratitude. I know I'm already, it's in my DNA to say thank you, to give gifts, to to, uh, see the janitor and really be grateful to him, not just pass him and say, thank you. But uh, so, Mm -hmm. but other people look at me like I'm crazy. Why are you, why are you grateful for something like, why are you buying such a big gift? And and it's really where it counts, like meets you in life. But for me, I have an extra thing with gratitude because it saved my life. I believe mm-hmm. gratitude saved me from suicide, saved me from ending, brought me back to life to create, to live on a level of joy like I never had before. And I was really happy before. I was traveling the world. I lived all over the place. I, I was a huge, um, a project manager in a finance in one of the largest software companies in Israel. I had everything going for me. I had the greatest mm. family, married, mm. children, and then I went into depression. So I, mm. and then after depression, I realized that what I had before was not joy. Mm. Only because of gratitude am I able to experience the real joy. Wow! Wow! And and that's why I I feel like people need to understand the power of it and. I know that you have to go. I know I want to just touch upon this because I think it's so important. Can you give my audience the understanding that what Mm. happens in the brain Mm. physically when we practice gratitude and we start Mm. really seeing Mm. what's working and how the shift happens when we're depressed or anxious, anxiety, panic attack, whatever it is. I I love the idea of the shift and the reversal. And your story, it, it just dovetails with so many other stories, you know, that I've heard that when um, life is, you know, kind of um, 
we're at the bottom, right? We're in a hole so deep you have to reach up just to touch the bottom. That's when people write to me and they say that gratitude transformed my life, right? And, you know, and I've written about these people in, in some of my books. And it's not when life is going well, when you've had everything, when you're on top. Life is going swimmingly. It's not like then, okay, I'm going to add a little gratitude, just a little icing on the cake now. It's people, you know, in, in despair and in undergoing, you know, in, under a, a, the force of addiction or physical afflictions uh, or depression or they lost a job, right? Look at the economic destruction that's wreaking havoc all over the country right now, right? I mean, mm-hmm. this is bad as this is. This is setting a stage for gratitude, I think, uh, in the future. Because there is this shift of this reversal from from bad to good. When we ask ourselves, can anything good come out of the situation, right? What possible benefits or opportunities can I see in this otherwise very bleak situation? It may be very difficult at the time because gratitude a lot of times doesn't emerge until we get out of that hole, until then we see the contrast and we see maybe it's somebody that helped us out of it, right? Somebody that believed in us. You know, it was this this word of hope, this word of blessing that we heard, you know, from that person the book we read, whatever, is something that, that initially facilitates this shift from darkness to light. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where gratitude gets its powers from this transformation. And we know that's happening in the brain, right? Obviously, anything, any thought or idea or feeling that we have also is, you know, reflecting underlying neurological activity. Uh, it'd, be, it'd be a shock if it wasn't that way. Right? I mean, that would be the real scoop. But uh, it is the case that, you know, I like to think of, I use a metaphor that gratitude is fertilizer for the mind. Mm-hmm. And that, and that it, it helps to you know spread connections uh, between different parts of the brain, and and we know that what we what we rest our minds upon, what we think about, actually sculpts the brain, in in a very real and measurable way. So if we rest our mind on worry and anxiety and uh, uh, and irritability, you know, it starts to shape our brain in the direction of you know fear, anxiety, and anger. But if we rest our mind on what we're grateful for, what we're thankful for, it begins to shape our brain in the direction of gratitude. Now, we don't know exactly what the, what the neurobiology of gratitude is, but there's a few hints. It's, it's really the new generation of research. Uh, gratitude it does seem to involve multiple structures in the brain and activate multiple pathways. But I think we're going to see you know, in the future that, that people who are really skilled at, at gratitude, mindfulness meditations, we're going to see much like we do in some of the research on loving kindness meditations, that actually does start to produce lasting changes in the brain. And that's a really exciting because so basically what you're doing, you're using your mind to shape your brain, to shape your mind for the better. And so that, that a grateful approach to life and an optimistic, grateful approach to the future, thinking about what future good we can experience that we don't yet have, maybe we're in the midst of a crisis right now, uh, that gives us this possibility to reshape our reality just by how we change our thoughts about the future. Absolutely. I, I can't agree more. And I feel like I wish there were neon signs all over the world that say like the power of gratitude and what it could do and how it really shifts our energy in our body. A lot of times uh, now during Corona, especially when I'm very anxious, my husband says to me, go to your room and do your gratitude because he knows Mm -hmm. that it centers me so fast, so, so Mm -hmm. fast. And it's a matter of maybe three minutes. Sometimes it's seven breaths. Sometimes it's seven breaths Mm -hmm. that I take and I, in my mind, I count my blessings and suddenly I come back just refreshed. A lot of people argue with me that it's false hope and it's living Mm. in denial. What do you say to that? Mm -hmm. Well, um, I think, yeah, I would, uh, there's a lot of ways to respond to it. First of all, I think, first of all, my perspective is that it really is the truest approach to life. So instead of, you know, being false, it's really, it really represents truth because the, the truth is that we are dependent upon our other people and circumstances beyond our control 
for, for who we are, for what we have in life, right? We like to think we're under the illusion that we are self-reliant, mm-hmm. right? And if this, uh, you know, coronavirus situation has proven anything, it's proven how vulnerable we are. Mm-hmm. It's proven how dependent we are, mm-hmm. right? So that in and of itself is going to shatter any illusion that we can make things happen on our own. Right. I mean, that should be very freeing for people, right? I think, you know, gratitude really frees us from having to, to take all the credit for the good stuff that happens to us, mm-hmm. you know? And that, that, again, that's a tendency of the mind, you know, to when things are good, you want to take credit. You want to say, I did that. Right. right. We want to clamor right. for credit. Right. right. We we'll realize that, you know, we don't have to. We can say, you know, it was the doctors. It was the pharmaceutical. It's the government trying to protect us. It's all the front line. It's like all these forces acting together mm-hmm. to help us in this very difficult situation. So it's a very realistic perspective on life. I think it's a very true perspective on life. So, you know, does that mean it's false? You know, I don't, I don't think so. Not according to, you know, uh, my definition of what, what truth and falseness is. But I do think it can be difficult to, at the moment, conjure up things to be grateful for because we think of gratitude as a feeling right? We think that uh, it's based on what's happening to us. Now, who could be grateful that, you know, we're going through this pandemic? Who could be grateful thinking that, you know, the economy is being destroyed and devastated, right? It's like losing, you know, losing a job. Obviously, we're not grateful for that. And so that really, you know, for the last several weeks has slowed me down in my own gratitude practice. Did it really? It did. Yeah, wow. I, mean, I, was, I was really struggling with practicing gratitude in the, in the midst of all this badness around me. But then I remembered that gratitude is not a feeling, okay? Gratitude is a choice. It's a way of looking at life. That's, it's not circumstantial. It's not conditional on what's happening to us. So we could say, you know, I'm going to choose to have a grateful attitude despite the badness, right? And then it can become like a, uh, like a counterintuitive gratitude or like a defiant gratitude. Like there could be bad stuff happening, you know? <laughs> but eventually, there's going to be that shift, so I can be grateful for, for what's going to happen in the future. I don't have it yet. So I've been talking recently about uh, what I call prospective gratitude or mm-hmm. forecasted gratitude. Can I, but can I be grateful now for what I don't have but will have in the future? So I can project myself. I can do mental time travel, you know, and think, all right, two, three months from now, uh, hopefully when life gets back to normal, right, or close, something close to normal, mm-hmm. uh, what are all the things I will have to be grateful for? right? Going to sporting events, you know, I love uh, baseball, right? I want to watch a live game. Okay. I don't want to watch, you know, classic games from 10 years ago, right? That's great. It's a nice, you know, substitute, but it's not the same thing, right? To go out to restaurants, to travel again, you know, to gather with friends again. So all the things we used to take for granted, now we've lost those, but that's also setting the stage for future gratitude. So we can, we can, you know, think prospectively and actually be grateful now for what we don't yet have but will. So I think that ties together, you know, immediate suffering and, and adversity with, you know, future satisfaction, future joy through the lens of gratefulness. And it's based on gratitude that we had in the past. David Kessler says it really nice after he lost his son, he talks about gratitude in grief. And he yeah. said, I'm never going to be grateful that he I lost my child. Never. There's nothing to be grateful about losing a child. But I could be grateful that I had him for 21 years. I could be grateful that I was chosen yes. to be his father. I could be grateful for moments that I had. And for me, now that was like, and we're grieving the loss of what mm-hmm. we had. We're, le- we're grieving the life that we had. That's how he explained it. And you brought it into the future, which is so beautiful yes. that we're grateful for the future, not only the past. So we could bring the past into the future and say, we know it works. 
We know because we had it. And all mm-hmm. we're doing is a, a time lapse of, of taking that gratitude energy right. and, and fast forwarding it. Life never stays the same. Never. I always say if the Holocaust ends, everything is going to end. Everything ends somehow and it evolves. So take that gratitude from the past that maybe yes. we weren't so grateful for our freedom to go to a basketball game and a baseball game and right, go to the right, movies right. and, 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 and hyper focus on that time that we did have that freedom. And what you say so beautifully, zoom it into the future. And I, I of, think that that gratitude has such a long arc. Few yes. emotions have such a long arc because we're grateful for what's happened, for what we have right now and what we can imagine having in the future. And right. so there's an elasticity to gratitude that I think is, is, you know, not matched by any other emotion. I love that. That I, I'm smiling. You see how I'm smiling? Because I love that. And a lot of people know that I visualize a lot of the secret changed my, my, my whole concept. Mm-hmm. I was a very um, pessimistic person growing up thinking everything's not going to work out. And when I was so depressed, I had to hold on to something. And it shifted my mind into mm-hmm. visualizing. Mm-hmm. And gratitude is really that, what you explained, for the future. Like, be grateful that it's going to, and visualize it. Attract that. Worrying is also makes us anxious. And if, if the negative worrying makes a physical effect, so does the positive visualizing yes. and gratitude make a positive effect. So why not? I always say gratitude is my cozy blanket. When I'm cold and uncomfortable, I just wrap myself with gratitude because it makes me feel better. Yes, yes, that's wonderful. And the, and the worry, you know, it doesn't lead to any, usually any kind of a productive action, you know, planning or changing the behavior. It's just, you know, you get so absorbed in ruminating over what might go wrong, right? right? So it's this negative repetitive thought, which, and most people say they worry because they think that's going to change the future. Uh, But in fact, a lot of times that's undermining their activity instead of actually, you know, productively problem solving. So, uh, so I think, you know, gratitude energizes and it actually winds up shaping your future. And, and and I'm somebody that gets anxious very often, very, very often. I'm an anxious person. And gratitude, I, I really say it's my SOS kit. It's my it's my foundation. It's what I take with me everywhere. I breathe with it. And it saves me so many times. I'm not perfect. I'm far from perfect. But the more I practice it, the more I want it. It's like candy. Like it's an addiction. Yes, that's and right. I, and I really wish people would understand the power behind it. And I'm so grateful for your work because now that you did the roadmap, you were the GPS for everybody to say, <laughs> oh, this is really working. Let's go down that road. Let's go figure it out. And there's just so much more evolving in the last 10 years. I think I wouldn't even give, give it more than 10 years of the real awareness of the power of gratitude. You did the research and you, the people around you understood it and people that read your books. But now it's becoming a a real cultural shift. And I think it's really, I'm, I'm saying this with a full heart, it's thanks to your research and your hard work. And I am so grateful because your work saved my life, really saved my life. And the fact that I'm smiling, the fact that I'm recording, the fact that I get up in the morning, the fact that I have a gratitude list, books and books and books of gratitude of, of things that I'm grateful for. And I believe that my life always goes like in the right direction, even though I don't know what direction it goes. I believe it's leading me because my heart is leading with gratitude. And I am not saying this to pride myself. I just believe that after experiencing so much gratitude, I just see it. And when something doesn't work out the way I want, I'm like, it's meant to be. It's just meant to be like this. I'm going to wait and see to be able to look back and say, oh, I'm grateful for it. For example, now, and I'm going to let you go, I'm going to just want to touch upon your book before I let you go. But I want to just tell you, when I, six 
and a half years ago, we moved to Boca because I was so depressed. I thought the sun will help me. The New York mm. cold life was not good for me. I'm from uh -huh. Israel. I was not used to it. And I thought that after years of struggling with medication and everything, I, I thought like I needed a little bit of change. So my husband said, let's move to Boca. I had three uh -huh. kids, uh, four kids at the time. It was one of the darkest six months that I had. Uh -huh. And then I had a medical condition. I had to move back to New York for my doctors. But when, before we came, we bought a house here and we thought we're going to live here. So we really made up a beautiful house here, a beautiful, beautiful home. We didn't even get to live in it because we were in rentals while it was uh, under construction. Uh -huh. We moved back to New York, was sitting empty for years. If not for that time that God brought me down to Boca, if not for the depression, we wouldn't even think of moving to Boca. Now I have a place to sit in, in calmness because I get very anxious with people, people sick. God created this little home in Boca for me that I could run away to without even knowing that I can have so I don't have to live in, in this fear in New York during mm. coronavirus. That was my my gift from God. And I believe that everybody has their own gift. But I saw it and I said, can you imagine my whole journey with depression was so I should move to Boca for a few months so I should buy a house that I would never use until the future. And that's what gratitude does. It makes you see things in a different perspective. Even yes. the most darkest times, I could see that it was for the good. So I just wanted to share that with well, that's, you. That's amazing. That's so powerful. And uh, it's just it's just a, a narrative that ties together so many aspects of our lives. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. And, and adds additional, you know, power to something which is already so, so amazing. And so thank you for sharing that. You know, my uh, one of my graduate heroes asked me one, once upon a time, he said, how can we get six billion people around the world to practice gratitude? And that was the population at the time. Now, of course, it's over seven billion. So we need people like you telling their stories to uh, really, you know, help people with the, with the power of grateful living because we need it, we need it more than ever. But your work is really trickling and people are seeing that that's more than medication. I could say more than medication. And I'm very pro-medication the right medication. Yes. I was yes. on medication. and But but there's the mind shift that happens throughout the day that medication can't do that. There's oh, no and, side effects. There's no side right, effects to right. gratitude either. Yeah. There's only positive side positive effects. Positive ones, that's <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so I, wanted, I just want to close with your latest book, um, 20, uh, gratitude works, a 21 day guide to prosperity. So you do, it is a practice because I know that you're, you said that it's not so much of a practice. I practice it many times. I tell my kids if they're in a bad place to do it. Um, what made you write that book and what is the feedback that you're getting from that book? And if you could give like a, a one minute, how that book works. Sure. You know, uh, I just wanted to give something systematic to people who, like in your position, you know, wanted to take the science and uh, put into more manageable prescriptions for themselves, right? Because there's a lot of times it could be a gap between knowing something and then actually doing it, right? right? So we know things conceptually and propositionally that gratitude is gratitude works, but then, you know, how do you actually enact it? What does it look like on the ground? So I want to give people some concrete practices. So, and though, so I wound up just using, basing what, what we had learned from science, you know, what the science was telling us, what are the prescription, what are the proven prescriptions for gratitude? And again, like we said earlier, it's like one size does not fit all. So okay. some might benefit from journaling, some might benefit from what we call the gratitude letter, just selecting someone from your life and writing a long letter of thanks and how they touched your life in a meaningful way. Uh, and there's there's many other techniques. There's prayers, there's meditations, though so there's a number of actionable techniques that people can, you know, can benefit from and uh, and that's what people have said. And they they put these into practice or they've used these with 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 um children, with teenagers, with spouses, with you know, their teachers, they use them in their classrooms. 
And so uh, people in the medical profession use them, you know, with patients. And so it's just great to see the number of different constituencies that find some benefit in the, in the practice of gratitude. And, and uh, virtually anyone can, you know, put these principles into practice. They don't require any kind of special training or knowledge or expertise. It's just doing what we do all along, but doing it in a, you know, it's just a more intentional manner. Why 21 days? 21 days uh, has been thought of as the minimum amount of time that it takes to change a habit and to instill a habit. Uh, so it's not, it's not so long that it becomes burdensome. So if I ask you to you know, keep a journal for three months, at some point, you'd give up, you'd stop because it was just it would just be too difficult. Uh, but a shorter period of time is really not enough to instill that habit. I know there's some, you know, uh, hardwired evidence for why that's actually the case. But it just seems to be a, a period of time which most people find to be optimal that allows them to continue to do the practice and they actually continue to do it. We found that in our research. We asked them, you know, we, we contact them again in the future. And a lot of people continue to write for gratitude, continue to journal for gratitude, even though they're no longer in our actual study. So it's something that's self-sustaining about it. Once you do it, it's like physical exercise, right? You feel bad when you stop. Same mm -hmm. it is with gratitude. Absolutely. It's, it's really a high. It creates a, a, a high, like the runner high. There's a gratitude high automatically. Um, so it's called gratitude work. Definitely yeah. get it. I want to just tell you, there's two things that I travel with and I travel a lot. It's my little book of, uh, pray, what is it? Songs by David. I don't know what it's called in English. Mm -hmm. It's the Tehillim, Songs. the Jewish, oh, the mm -hmm, songs of mm -hmm. David. So I, mm -hmm. I have that in my bag and your gratitude works. It goes with me everywhere. And it's a small book that can fit into my pocketbook. And the reason why I take it everywhere is because when I find myself, when I travel, sometimes I get very anxious and, and my mind is not working for myself. I can open it and it's automatically, and I have things highlighted there, what I know works for me. And it, it just comes with me and it reminds me. And every time I open my pocketbook, my purse, I see it and it, it gives me a smile. Yes, gratitude works. And I love the name because <laughs> gratitude does uh, That's work. how I summarize 20 years of research when I don't have time. I say, okay, I can summarize in two words. Gratitude works. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So I am so grateful. I'm sorry we went a little bit over time, but like there's so much that I wanted to learn from you and to share with my audience. And I am so grateful. I want to actually send a thank you card to your professor that assigned you to gratitude because if not for him assigning you, maybe it would never continue and maybe the world would be like 25 years ago, not developed with any research to gratitude. Is he still alive? Oh yeah, it was a, actually, it was a colleague of mine. Oh, a and colleague. We had, been, we had been working on some other projects together, but not on gratitude. And he said, okay, Bob, why don't we do some graduate research and you're going to get started and I'll come along and help you. So we, we've had a very nice uh, professional relationship for now over a couple of decades. I would love, love, love to he's, and he's actually he's actually uh, younger than me. Oh, okay. So, uh, I thought it which was is like not, some... which is not hard to do. Uh, it's not hard to find people younger. <laughs> I would love to. I would love to connect with him and say thank you because because it really you. not only did affect me, affects my children and hopefully their children and my life around me and my whole being. So thank you for your work. Thank you for the dedication. Thank you for not finding another thing to research because the more you research, <laughs> the better it makes the world becomes a better place and we need more gratitude. So thank you for your time and you. stay well. Stay grateful. And I love that you shared that that sometimes you doubt your research yeah. and and you're human. It, it makes me feel good that we we, we can right. all have days that are better, worse. That we stick to our course. So thank you very much. You're welcome. I really very appreciate welcome. it. And um, check out his work. Buy all of his books. You also have a book for children. Uh, no, but I have a book that is uh, also very much focused on practices. 
uh, which is called the Little Book of Gratitude. Right, the Little Book of that Gratitude. That little one there. Yeah, and that oh, okay. is very nice. So this actually would fit in your in your bag very nicely because it's even smaller than Gratitude Works. Wow. So uh, if you don't have this one, I'll send you a copy and you should no, put I it don't in there. Ha- I don't have okay. it. I researched <laughs> it recently and I and I saw it and I thought it was for children. So yes, I would love that book. Thank you. It's for it's for everybody. Okay, good to know. <laughs> so keep well. Have a wonderful weekend. And um, hopefully we can share in a few months all the great things that we are grateful that are working in the future and saying how we didn't have to worry. Anyway, thank you and have a wonderful, wonderful weekend, everybody. Thank you for joining us and taking the time to listen. I really appreciate it. Please hit the subscribe button so you can hear further episodes. If you are listening to us on iTunes, please leave feedback and ratings below. Let us know if there's any topic that you would like to hear from us in the future. Bye till next time.